This is week four of our education sermon series, how that we've looked into uh, Sunday school, the real Sunday school, and how that it applies to us today, and how that we can learn from uh, the history and the uh, concept of the original Sunday school, and how that we need to apply those same principles today to see the successes that they saw early on in the time frame of when Sunday school began from uh, two gentlemen that uh, saw a need, got involved, and got the church involved, and saw transformational uh, things happen around them by doing what God called them to do. And I believe it's no different today that God wants to be involved in people's lives. He wants to uh, be present. The Bible says that he's a very present help in your time of trouble. I believe that God wants to be involved in your troubles and your trials. He wants you to pray. He wants you to seek wisdom. He wants you to seek others' help and uh, just be there for each other and uh, with him in the midst of us. The Bible says that where any two or three agree is touching anything, that there he is in the midst of them. So I believe whenever we get together and this morning, we had a, one of our uh, senior citizens walked up and she had a prayer that she wanted us to pray for her friend who was one of my uh, ladies that grew where I grew up in church, Miss Marjorie, is uh, having some health issues and uh, 92 years old, still going strong. And uh, she wanted us to pray for Miss Marjorie. So if you could lift up Marjorie in prayer for her to receive healing. And it, uh, we agreed together. Four of us stood there, held hands, prayed in agreement as touching anything. And the God, Bible says that uh, in Matthew 18 that it'll be done if we agree as touching things and pray in agreement. So if you feel, have a need in your life or something going on, find people that agree with you in prayer and uh, seek the help of others and, and ask them to be praying with you and uh, get through the situations. Uh, there's no uh, temptation or trouble overtaking you, but that which is common unto man, and God will make a way of escape. So wherever you find yourself today, know this, that God has a way out for you. Uh, but Sunday school that we learned in the first week was how that uh, these two gentlemen walking down the street saw uh, some impoverished kids, uh, kids from a different uh, socioeconomic status. Uh, basically, they called them heathens. And how that these kids were cussing each other out and they didn't even know good etiquette. They didn't know uh, what was right from wrong. And these two gentlemen said, we've got to do something as a church. We should not leave people... Uh, in their way of life just because of where they was born and what side of the tracks they were born on or what their family's history is. We should provide a way for God to be involved in their life. And these two gentlemen started a program, and they was, they was basically taken back that society had left these poor kids out and that if you was born into a poor family and you had poor uh, parents, uh, the parents couldn't read, they couldn't write, they had... Their parents couldn't read, their parents couldn't write, and there's a generational curse basically upon that family. And how that these two gentlemen said, we can't leave them in that state. So they started this thing at their church, and they called it Sunday school because the kids were poor. They had to work six days a week, and on Sunday they were off. They didn't have to work. And these two gentlemen said, well, let's start a program, and let's call it Sunday school. And they allowed it to go on. It was about four hours of teaching after church on Sunday morning. So what we as a church today know of Sunday school was not the original intent. We use it for Christian education today. We use it to teach Sunday school lessons. 
And I'm all about that. And discipleship is one of our core values as a church. And I believe you should be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe you should have friends that spur you along and encourage you and, and prod you along and say, you can do better, you can be better. Let's go forward. Here's what God's Word says about the situation you're facing in your life. And education, I believe in it. But these two gentlemen said just basic education is important for society. And the church should be involved, and the church shouldn't just stay out of society, but the church should get involved in society. And this program uh, started out with just a few kids, and actually they allowed people in the church congregation to sponsor the education for these kids. And families within the congregation, the affluent people that had money, they would sponsor a poor kid out of the community and pay for their education, the four hours of education on Sunday. And these kids would come in and they would learn how to read and it was awesome looking through this historical perspective of what Sunday school was intended for. I believe that the church today should be as active and involved in the community, in our society, because we have some answers when other people leave people behind. The church should step up and say, no, you can come along with us. Be on this journey with us. And this faith journey that we have today, that we just count everything as just normal, has not always been normal. So most everybody in this room, I told you last week about my GPA, that I graduated high school with a 1.8, and how that I, uh, I'm kind of proud of that fact. Leslie tells me not to say it very often because I'll tell kids that they're allowed to get a GPA and be successful in life. I tell kids, go on and be the best version of you you can be. My 1.8 was apparently what I was capable of. I didn't apply myself. I could have done better. I'm sure I could have got a 2.1 if I'd have really went out there and went after it. Leslie's missed 3.8 and 4.0 in college and all that and married to a 1.8-er. No wonder she tells me what to do all the time. <laughs> we should encourage each other, Amen. I believe that we are a people and designed as a people that God created us as emotional beings and he created us with needs and how that we need each other to be the best version we can be. So I believe right now that there's some people around you that probably needs encouraged. So everybody in here, I want you to get close to the person there next to you somewhere and give them a big hug. Just reach over and give them a big hug. Give somebody a big hug. Big old bear hug will be good. Tell them, tell them how glad you are to see them. Aww. A hug never hurt anyone. Amen. Leslie says, tells girls not to hug boys because they got cooties and all that, you know. But Yeah, give them cooties. My little niece, Brindley, up here on the front row, she loves giving hugs. And, and Reagan does too. Reagan come running up front while going and give me a big hug and sit there holding my arm. And it just makes me feel good where you're sitting there and the little kids. And, and this morning during Vanceburg campus, little Carver was standing in the back and she's, once I was out, come up on the platform, and Greg was praying, and she didn't know, and she had her eyes open. She looked up, and she said, that's Ben. That's Ben real loud during the prayer, and that's okay, too. Amen. Little Carver loves me. I love being loved, don't you? It's so fun. So, looks like people know not to call a pastor during 12 o'clock at Sunday morning, wasn't it? They, my phone just rung. It's probably not a good sign. But it's a person from work, so they don't know. So 
we've looked through different topics and we talked about poetry and we've talked about education from different uh, aspects and different avenues and how that uh, the Bible wants us involved in education as a church and how that he wants us to be educated people. And Paul says in Roman, or in uh, Corinthians, the book of, in the New Testament Corinthians, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren. And if you're not ignorant, it means you're educated or you're with knowledge. And we know that knowledge is power, right? So Paul told people, don't be ignorant. So I'm telling you today, don't be ignorant. How many's been around some ignorant people? Everybody say amen. You might be sitting next to them. Don't look at them. They'll think you're talking about them. There's a, there's a few ignorant people. If you get a crowd of this big together, there, there's some ignorant people in the midst, right? There's, there's some part of that there. And you're probably thinking, man, that guy up front, he's, he's pretty ignorant about some stuff. Ignorant means you don't know. Ignorant's not a bad word. Ignorant just means you don't know. And I want you to know what the Bible says about education. And I want you to know the history of Sunday school. And as a pastor, I want us to, to understand. And, and, and history is so important in knowledge. Oftentimes, people in the secular world, they'll say all the time, if you don't uh, know your history, you're destined to repeat it, right? So if... If you don't know the history of whatever you're going through and you don't study history and you don't try to learn about past mistakes and other people's uh, things that they've dealt with, you're destined to repeat that same history. And I don't want to go through what everybody else has went through. I want to advance as a society. I want to advance as a church. We should give ourselves to knowledge and to wisdom and to uh, understanding we should go after that stuff with like the bible says with all thy getting get understanding in the book of proverbs we need to look at education as something important and it's kind of crazy because in this world that we're talking about in the 1780s when these two gentlemen were walking down the street in england there was people that couldn't read a mass part of society couldn't read and reading is important for education. And it's hard to understand history if you can't read. So it would be like they was entrenched or in a rut in life and there was no way out because there was nobody doing anything. But as I've said throughout this whole education series, it's better to do something than nothing. So these two gentlemen started with this little bitty program called Sunday School in one church. Next thing you know, there's several kids being uh, uh, paid for by other people in the church. Congregation would adopt these kids and, and pay for the education for these little poor kids. And they was coming into the church. And it began to change their lifestyle. Because they could go home and they would take a book home with them and they would read. And they would teach their parents how to read. And we know and understand that through the history of it, by within 100 years, over 2 million people attended Sunday school. How empowering is that for poor people to have two million of them because of one person's ability to do something rather than nothing now be able to read? And as a society, you don't know the gifting that's within people that you count as disregarded by society and say, well, they're not important. But these people, these two gentlemen said they're worth something. So let's do something. And as they did that, it transformed society. 
I can assure you that there are some wise people in some bad situations that don't know their way out because they've not been educated and they've not been allowed to be involved. How much are we missing out on as a society by not helping others? So then you go into the 1800s and, you know, this 50 or, or so period mark after this people started Sunday school in America, it caught on, it caught on like fire, wildfire in America, and there's all these churches in America started Sunday school programs to teach poor kids up and down hollers. You go back and study the history of Lewis County, you'll see that in 1800s, education was a big thing, and there was people involved in the, even the state level of government that started the school system in Kentucky, that believed in it, that promoted it, that uh, talked about how that we should pay as a society these taxes to pay for schools. Sure, they were little one-room programs set up a holler somewhere, but kids went there and learned how to read and write. I've heard my grandpa talk about how that whenever he was young and going, just got a eighth, sixth grade education he had that he went to the school. And that same school building was used for church. Everybody thinks that's uh, odd, right? There should be a separation of church and state. Oh, how dare the church get involved in education. There would not be education in America if it wasn't for the church doing Sunday school. What was the world doing when people were living uneducated lives? They did nothing. The church does something, and now look what's happened. It has absolutely shifted and transformed society as we know it. You and I sitting in this room, if you can read and write today, we should be thankful to God that some man did something rather than nothing. I can read, I can write, I can do math today. Why? Because God allowed somebody to have a vision. And it changed course of history and sure I struggled in school I remember being in grade school and they considered me different and there were several people in my class that was different we was slower learners they called us and Mr. Wills would take us out of the regular room and we would go over to this other little room and he would help us go forward in our way of learning and I thankful, I'm thankful to God for Mr. Wills and I, I loved him because he had a cool Mustang Anybody remember Mr. Wills in Lewis County? As a grade school kid, I, I loved cars. I was like, man, he's awesome. He's got a brand new shiny red Mustang. But he would help me. And he helped me learn to read. And sure, I wasn't as fast as maybe my other uh, people in my class. But I tried and I presented myself and went forward. And I'm sure it hurt his heart whenever one time we was on a basketball court and I was playing in grade school and that was back when I was slim and trim and mean and green and, and I, I was getting, you know, and, but I had a temper. Nobody else in this room's got a temper or anything. I know you're all just real peaceful, easygoing people, but I, I kind of had a temper as a kid and, and I, I was going down the court one time and Todd Prater came up and stole the ball out of my hand. I got so mad, the next time I got the ball, I threw it. And some referee, technical, me, poor little old uneducated Mr. Wills helping this young poor kid. And I got a technical. They threw me out of the game in grade school. Then later that year, I got an F on a report card. You know what that means? You don't get to play ball no more. Hey, Benny, if you want to play, you got to earn your way on the team. You got to do better. 
That ended my basketball career. Literally, Michael Jordan didn't have a chance if I would have went on. They knew it. Society did it to me. Not really. So as this happens, and sure we're different, but we should allow kids to be different. And that's what I love about Bethesda, whenever we allow kids to come and, and they take them to children's church and Dusty and Albie lead the student ministries and they help teachers and nursery workers uh, be the best version they can be to go help the kids down in the basement. But then we're still doing, uh, allowing the kids to be up here during their family day because I believe it's good for kids to learn what a worship service is like for an adult. They shouldn't go through all of church thinking they're stuck in a basement tucked away somewhere to keep them out of, out of our sight because they're talking a little bit during church. It's okay. Amen? They'll learn. It helps. But as I think about this and I study through this and as I'm looking through this sermon series and thinking about education and how important it is, I wouldn't be able to read or write today or even preach a sermon if I wasn't... Uh, given this gift of education at an early age. And I can tell you this, knowing Lewis County the way I know it, and knowing the history of Lewis County the way I know it, we were a poor county. We still have a lot of poor tendencies in our county. So most of us sitting in this room today would not have had an opportunity to go to school. We would be working six days a week as kids instead of sitting learning. When's the last time you got up in the morning and thought, thank God for education in my society? We should be grateful to live in the greatest nation on the face of the earth. Why is it the greatest nation in the face of the earth? Because it's the most educated nation in the face of the earth. There's other countries going to run off and leave us if we don't do something. And I know there's problems, and I know standardized education, and I know all these no-child-left-behind laws, and I know all these things that's going on in our society. And yes, there's problems with it, and it's got issues, but we shouldn't be anti-education just because we don't like the system. Amen? Let's be proponents as a church to say, God, I thank you that you've given us a gift, a gift of education system that every kid, no matter how they're born or who their mom or dad is or what they're facing in life, they're allowed to go to school and get an education for free. And I'll help pay for it. I do not groan and be, I'm not begrudged and I don't look at taxes as if some burden on me. I'm thankful to God that I live in a country that I can afford to pay taxes that allows us to live the lives we live. Let's be grateful. Let's have joy for once. Why does everything... We, we, we can find problems with anything. If that's what we're looking for, let's look positive. Let's be encouraging. If you see a little kid struggling in school or struggling in life, don't look down on them. Don't look at that kid and say, well, look at him. <laughs> look at him going over to that special class. Thank God there's a teacher that'll do special class. Amen? Let's be a church that encourages education, that promotes education, that says it's a part of who God is and what he wants us to be. Brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual things. God don't want to leave any of us behind. He wants to go with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He'll go with us even to the end of the age. Man, I'm thankful to God for what I've been given. It's a gift. How thankful are you?
Brindley loves to hug. Bailey's afraid she'll get germs. I asked Brindley if I'll go for service here. I told her this morning, the church this morning, when they give a hug, I said, Brindley loves hugs. She'll hug you. But Bailey, she'll run from you. You have to tackle her to give her a hug, her sister. And I said, why, why is Bailey like that? She said, she's afraid she'll get germs. So I think we'll just make her stand in the back and everybody hug her on the way going out today. How about that? <laughs> no, she'll get germs. We don't have any. She'll run right now. Better not do that, have we? But as this education system got into place and then in the mid-1800s, you know, 40 or 50 years after this happened and, and all this education is going on, people become empowered, right? We, once we receive an education, we feel like we've earned something, we feel like we've accomplished something, and we feel like that we've gained something, and we look around and we get this pride in our heart. Oh, nobody in here dealing with pride or anything? Y'all's the humblest bunch of people I've ever seen. You just There's no pride in the room, Jason. Everybody just, oh, I'm just so humble and meek and mild. Uh-huh. We become proud, right? So in the mid-1800s, there's this age that we look back to now. It's called the Age of Enlightenment. It's where people, poor people, begin to become educated. And some people, when we get educated, we think more of ourselves than we ought to. So I think Paul, the apostle in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, he was looking forward 15, 1800 years. And Paul said this in Romans 12, 3, For through grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. My grandma used to say, get off your high horse. Amen? Amen? We need to look with grateful hearts for what God's allowed us to have and not be so boastful. Shouldn't think more of ourselves than we ought. But to think as though to have a sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Ain't you glad that God gifts you with abilities and capabilities? And ain't you glad you ain't like your neighbor sitting next to you? Yeah. Amen. Amen. I'm glad for individualism, and God loves individualism. He loves you independently, and he, he gave his son for you on the cross of Calvary. He cherishes you. He loves you so much more than you even know. And as I think about education, you know, some people in this room, there's people in here that's got bachelor's degrees, and there's people in here that's got certificates, there's people in here with diplomas, there's people in here with different thing, types of education documents that proves your education. You can go get a transcript, and you can be real proud of that. Anybody got an education you're proud of? I'm proud of it. I'm thankful that I have those educations that I have. But some of them's different. So I'm a different type of learner. I'm a tactile learner, they call it. I'm a person that learns with my hands. If I see somebody do something, I can replicate it, Brother Craig. I'm not really, really good at, at this literature type stuff. But I do the best I can. I don't want to give up on it and say that I'm not going to do it any. I'm going to read too. But I learned better with my hands. So whenever I went through life and I ended up in an apprenticeship program and I got me a certificate of completion for my apprenticeship, it's a document I have at the house that I'm pretty proud of. But I shouldn't think of myself more highly than I ought to think. Amen? I'm proud of it, but I'm not proud on the inside like I'm better than somebody else. 
So whenever I see a first-year apprentice because I know how to do a job and perform a task, doesn't mean I'm better than them. They just haven't learned yet. So whatever education you do have, be proud of it, but be proud of it so much that you want it for others, that you want to give somebody else a fighting chance. I thank God that he allowed me to go through apprenticeship and allowed me to become an instructor, and I went on and got an education at a college. Somebody with a 1.8 GPA is not even allowed in college. But God makes you a path whether you know it or not. He can, he can cause you to be everything you're supposed to be when you allow Him to guide your life. Amen. And some people look at me and they'll say, well, how did you end up? And how did you end up here? I'll just say, it's favor. Amen? I've got favor of God on my life. And I look around and don't be jealous of what I've been able to accomplish. Just say, God, if you'll do it for Him, you'll do it for me. He loves you individually. Be proud of your education, but pay it forward and wish well for somebody else. Don't look down on them as society and say, well, they're that type or they're this type or they was born in that holler or this holler. Say, with God, all things are possible. Come from out from among them, be you separate, says God. Amen. Go into the destiny God has for your life. Just sit here and think today, man, he's got favor on me. He favors my pastor. And guess what? It says in the Old Testament that the oil would run down Aaron's beard and drip. It was the anointing of God. The favor of God is upon my life. And by me being your pastor, it's upon your life. I promise you. It's a transference of what God wants to do. And you're not sitting here by accident. You're not here thinking, man, I just wish I could get through another day. God is going to do great things among us. Sorry to scream. I just believe it. And I'm telling you, when I got saved and I joined church, my life changed for the better. He radically transformed my life. And the pattern I was on versus what I become after that just dumbfounds me looking back. I've got a list of certifications that deep. I submitted them to a job one time a few years ago. They said, that has to be forged or something. Nobody has that many documents. You're overqualified. Really? How are you overqualified? I guess they thought I wouldn't stay. And I probably wouldn't. Because I'm one to take chances. I'm one to take risks. My secretary looks at me all the time. She says, man, you ain't afraid of anything. You'll tackle anything. You'll go anywhere. You'll just take off. And I, She says, I envy how that you are so free in your life to do what God's called you to do. There's all kinds of things about education, but this age of enlightenment, it becomes a part of society where the people thought more of themselves than they ought to. And these people started these theories. We know some theories, right? Name me a theory. Got any theories? What's one the church is opposed to? Evolution. Somebody's whispering. My sister's back there. She's got it. Theory of evolution. If we're going to talk about education, we can't tiptoe through and, oh, God, let's don't touch that subject. Let's go over here and hide from that and act like that don't exist. 
We should go headlong into that thing and say, what, what do we believe? What do we establish? How are we going to deal with this? And I'll tell you today. And it's pretty crazy, really. And I, How many believes in the theory of evolution? Nobody? Matt's wondering about it. He's, he's, he's dealing... Yeah, he's, he's, he's thinking deeply, which is a good thing. So I'll tell you this. I believe in evolution. As your pastor, I believe in evolution. That weirds church people out. It's like, oh, God, how can he say that? You're not allowed to be in church and say evolution. You've got to oppose that. You've got to be in opposition to that, Right? You're probably thinking, well, he's dumb enough to get it at 1.8. He probably don't know no better. <laughs> but here's what I believe about evolution. How are you? How old are you? Four. Wow, that's awesome. You had a head start. You got a head start. Yeah. You don't go to kindergarten, do you? Head start. She had a head start. I love Head Starts, don't you? It's a program our county needs. Head Starts for me last night was in the race because Leslie had a migraine headache yesterday. and That's what I call them, they're migraine, but migraine headache. And uh, getting a Head Start in a race is awesome. But even with a Head Start, her car don't have enough power, and I weigh more than her, so I was slower than her. <laughs> she usually gets lapped. I got lapped worse. Head start would have been awesome. If they'd let me have like two lap advantage starting, then maybe I wouldn't have I'd have ended on the same lap as everybody else. I didn't get to race many laps because I got lapped. Once they throw the checkered flag, you're supposed to get off the track. You're not supposed to keep going on your how many. I'm supposed to be here 15. The guy in the front, he's already been there twice. It's pretty awesome. Head starts are cool. But evolution. So she was born, how old are you, four? So she was born four years ago. Has she stayed the same as she was four years ago? What has she done? She's evolved, right? So I believe in evolution. I believe God believes in evolution. So here's the way I am as a person. There's always camps, and everybody wants to get in their camp or their camp, and I'm stuck over here in the middle thinking, why can't you all get along? Let's be open-minded about it, right? So I can believe in the Bible as being true and the standard for the universe. And I can also believe that there's education that says that people can evolve. Do I believe she come from a monkey? Nah. <laughs> right? Because I believe in the Bible. And the Bible says that God formed man out of the dust of the earth and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and a man become a living being. That's how we, that was how we were formed. It wasn't no big bang theory. It probably was a bang wherever God said, let there be earth. It's probably a bang in the universe. That's okay, right? So let's learn to say, I want to be in the middle because guess what? I don't just want church people saved. I want people that's over here in the education system that's hearing about a theory of evolution to say, what's realistic? Let's be in the middle. Let's be the magnet that draws both camps together and says it's okay for society to get along. Let's talk about it. Let's discuss it. Let's look at it from all avenues of history and see what God wants for us. So I dare you go out this week and tell, people ask you, what did you hear in sermon this week? Well, my pastor believes in evolution. Just look for a look on their face whenever you say it. 
what? You go to a cult or what kind of deal is that? Anyway, that's messed up. Say, I, I just want to use common sense. Amen? Common sense isn't all that common anymore. Let's make it common. If it's a problem, let's deal with it, right? That's what the two guys did. So this enlightenment thing is part, you shouldn't think more of yourself than you should. Also, the Bible is all kinds of things about songs, and I, I, I believe in music, don't you? Anybody love music? I love hearing Dusty sing every now and then for a little break for Leslie, but also I get to hear Dusty sing, and I get to sing in my deep voice then. Brandon looked over at me, and she said, you're not a very good singer. Still singing anyway. When Dusty sings, I use my deep voice. Let's do something rather than nothing. So many other things I want to say, but education series is it's over. Sitting on a board meeting here recently, and this really smart guy stood up and gave a little presentation. He was talking about he was a doctor, not a doctor as in a medical doctor, but a doctor of education. Smart guy. He stood up and he's telling and he's talking about and he had a little starfish on his uh, collar of his uh, suit jacket. And he said, you guys know about the starfish, right? And everybody's like, no, I've heard it before, but I didn't know what he was talking about when he said it. And he said, let me tell you a story about what I think about education. And he said, the starfish represents something to me that I heard a story at a conference one time and it radically transformed how I thought. And he said, I've lived the rest of my career using this for my guide. And he said that uh, there's a story about a, a guy on a beach, and he's walking down through the beach, and this big tide comes, and it, it begins to wash all these starfish up on the, the seashore, right? And he, he's walking down through here, and he sees all these starfish, and they're squirming, and they're wiggling. And as he's walking, he just reaches down every now and then, picks one up, and chucks it back in the water, and taking his morning stroll, and, you know, pick one up and chuck it back in the water. Pick one up, chuck it back in the water, and eventually he gets pretty far down through the beach, and there's another guy sitting there in a big lounge chair and, and looking over at him. He says, you fool, what are you doing? Why, why are you throwing them fish, starfish back in the sea? The guy just keeps picking them up, and eventually the guy says, just quit. And the guy reaches down and gets one, and the guy says, why are you doing that? And he said, for me... I know I can't touch all these fish, but for this one, it means everything. He throws it back out in the water. And he goes on down the seashore, and he continues to pick them up and throw them in the water. And he said, so the theory is for him, use that as an example in his life. If you see somebody that needs help, help. If you see somebody uneducated or ignorant about a subject, help them. Don't look down on them. He said, doing something for this one is everything. And what if the church was like that? That we looked out in society and said, man, I know I can't help them all, but I can do something rather than nothing. Let's throw them out, out in the water and say, God, lease them with a new life. Go with them. Let's be that person. Sammy Holder's the baseball coach for Lewis County High School team and middle school team. And 
Last year they were in a slump and they had several losses in a row and it's his first year as coach and that's a hard thing. I, I can't imagine being a coach. That, that'd be like the worst job in the world. Every parent wanting their kid to play and you know all the politics and all that stuff that gets in it. And I, that'd be a bad job. But he took it coming back to Lewis County because he wanted to bring back to Lewis County what he had learned in school. He wants to do something better, right? And, and, but he's in a slump and they're losing. And he, he texts me one day and he says, Pastor, won't you just come and share a little story or something with the with the baseball team and, and give them a little shot in the arm. And I didn't know. So I used poetry. Went and found a poem. It's called Lifters and Leaners. You ever read that? There's two types of people in the world. There's lifters and there's leaners. So I went and I read that poem. And I'm sure baseball students are probably not poetical, most likely. But I read them this poem. And I told them that there's lifters and there's leaners. There's two types of people in the world. And what type are you? Are you leaning on the rest of your team? Or are you lifting when somebody else is having a bad time? Maybe they get three strikes, they're out. When they come back, are you, are you leaning on them? Or are you lifting them? And I told them, let's be a team that works together. And let's go out there and do our best. And every one of us, and if we're all lifting, guess what? A rising tide lifts all boats. JFK said that statement. A rising tide lifts all boats. It's true. Where we do more together, we'll be better. So let's do it. And the team went out that night and they won. I felt like I played a part in that. How many little things can we do to make a difference? It may not seem like anything. I give a three-minute talk to a bunch of boys who are going to play baseball tonight. But to them, winning is everything. And if I can help prod them along the way to think it's possible when they think it's not, it's what we're to be as a church. Amen? That's what you're to be as a Christian. Pick a starfish up. That may be the sinner down the street. Don't look at them with disdain and say, man, they're an old sinner and I'm not hanging out with them. God says, when Jesus came, he was an example for us and he was a friend with the publicans and sinners. Not Republicans, publicans. Be that to somebody. Let's stand. Amen. If you would, I'd have you to bow your head and close your eyes. Put music on there. Yeah. Music makes everything better. Thank you, Jill, for working in church. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, you should make a, a decision today to say, God, I'm tired of the mess, I'm tired of the pain, I'm tired of living life for myself, and I want to be what pastor is saying I want to go out and I want to make a difference and I know I can do more with you than I can on my own if you'll just ask him into your heart today he'll gladly come and take up abide with you he says scripture says he stands in the door and knocks he's doing that at your heart's door today you don't have to come forward you don't have to shake my hand you don't have to pray a certain prayer all you got to do is just say God 
give my life to you. And as you do that, it will happen in a real and tangible way. And you'll walk out those doors a new person. For the people in the room, maybe you've been a Christian for some time. And maybe you just said that prayer right there just silently in your mind whenever I said that just now. And maybe you just become a Christian just a few seconds ago. This is for everybody in the room. I want to ask you, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, don't worry about your neighbor. Do an introspection on your own life right now. I just want to ask you, is there anybody in here that says, this message today is for me and I want to do more. I've got giftings and callings that I haven't used yet and I need to do more. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? Amen. Hands everywhere. I want to do more. I want to be who God's called me to be. Anybody else? I want to pray for you. Multiple, multiple, multiple hands went up in this room. God, I thank you for the people of Bethesda and I thank you for the difference that we make in our society and our culture. But God, I know in your word that you said that we could do mighty exploits, that we can do great things, even if it seems small like education. God, help us to be a church of encouragement. Help us to be a church that, that aids society. That we'll be answers and not problems. Lord, that we will lift and we won't lean. Help us to be everything you've called us to be, every person in this room. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.